Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. It's going to be amazing. Well, I am excited for this morning. God has uh, been preparing this morning, and we have Pastor Cozy, who um, I'm going to invite up. Cozy's been on our staff for uh, over eight years doing children's ministry. She's such a faithful servant, and she has gone to, she started their journey into seminary and becoming a pastor and was licensed uh, about a year and a half ago and something like that. And uh, she, you know, we, we just are so excited to hear her bring a word. God's been preparing this moment for her and for us and so let's, uh, let's give a warm welcome to Cozy Jenks. Thank you. I will. Thank you. Okay, I got to get set up. I got to get a stool. Okay. I left my water cup right there. John, you almost kicked it over. I'm so thankful you didn't. Okay. All right, here we go. We are almost ready. I know, I know, it's a setup. I got a straw. Looks better. <laughs> Comedians use straws. I don't know why I thought I should. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> good morning, God family. Uh, as Jono said, my name is Cozy. I'm the children's pastor. And I am so honored to be here with you this morning in what us out there call Big Church. Uh, so this morning is the last Sunday of 2019. And I was thinking, okay, end of the year, end of the decade, should probably think about what I learned <laughs> this decade, and, or maybe this year. And so I started to reflect, hoping that I would give you like a really reflective message. And so I journaled, and I journaled something kind of like this. Dear God, wow, this year was so full. I can't believe I finished six more seminary classes. I'm so thankful for my fellow seminarians and the way you are using them to encourage me. And that vacation Brian and I went on was so good. It was so good for us. You reminded me how important it is to connect and play together. Help me remember that and make it a priority next year. Oh yeah, and you totally showed up in some of those really meaningful conversations I had with my friends. I really hope that I see them a little bit more next year. This year was just so full. I should make that more of a priority. Maybe I should be better about planning my weeks and simplifying. I could definitely watch less TV, and it'd be nice if I would hike more, but I never want to hike because the house is always dirty. It would stay cleaner if I had a Dyson vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I wonder if I could convince Brian that we need one. And if I had a weekly rhythm, I would not feel so overwhelmed. I should get a long-range calendar. You guys, no joke, I ordered the decade calendar off Amazon. <laughs> I was gonna bring it, but I forgot. And it's huge, it's like heavy and it's huge. Um, I'm gonna return it because of, of what I'm gonna say, but still, I bought it, I tried. <laughs> Does anybody else do this? Does anybody, oh yeah, kids, you guys can go if you want. <laughs> I mean, you can stay if you want. They get to watch The Grinch, which is my favorite movie. I'm not, I'm not joking about that either. 
Uh, but does anybody start out this way where you're like, you're all reflective and thankful, and then all of a sudden you've slid into this, like, I want to be better, and my life is going to be better because I'm finally going to be better? Um, I do. And maybe for you, it's not the same things it is it is for me. Maybe it's exercise, or maybe it's playing that golf course, or maybe it's paying off that bill. These things aren't bad. They're all good things, but we treat them as these silver bullets that are finally going to help us live our best life. I have been doing this for 10 years. I can remember like the first like phrase I did for the year. Do you guys do that? Like a word or a phrase for the year? Mine was make it work uh, 2010. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't make it work. <laughs> Um, it got me some pretty precarious situations also. Uh, so this year, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to not strive and plan. I'm not going to make all these resolutions to make me feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, living my best life. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to get a new wardrobe. <laughs> Duh. I know some of you are thinking I don't really need one, but... Uh, but when we think about our wardrobes, we think of pants and shoes and clothes and, you know, jackets and bright pink dresses, if you're me. Uh, and in today's text, uh, Paul is writing to the Colossians about their new identity in Christ. And he's using this clothing imagery, this putting on imagery, to tell them about the process of becoming a follower of Jesus, of being renewed. And so today, I'm going to play with that a little bit, and, but first, can I pray? Cool. Okay, I'm going to pray. Good God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you encourage us uh, with it. I pray that you would speak through me this morning to each individual heart. I hope that they would hear what you have brought them here, here to hear. Um, I just am so thankful to be here. Uh, you have brought me here. It is only because of you. I pray uh, that that would be so evident in what I share and what I speak. I pray that you would touch these people by your words. We love you and we need you. Amen. Okay, I'm honored with that. Okay, if you have your Bibles. Oh, no? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't shame you. That's bad. Um, how'd it go, Cozy? I shame them about not bringing their Bibles. Um, no, but if you do, please do, because then our kids see it and they bring them and then we read them together. It's really cool. Anyways, open your Bibles, and if not, up here Colossians 3 10 through 14. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with the love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. This is the wardrobe of a follower of Jesus. This is the new nature we have been given. 
Sometimes I'll ask Brian, hey, Brian, you know, we'll be doing our own things. Like, how's it going? Just living my best life. I'm like, what? What are you doing that I'm not doing? Or have you ever seen a dog, like, its head out the window, and it's just doing what it was made to do, just wind and its little, cute little ears? You're like, that dog is living its best life. I see that a lot. Uh, That is what we all want, isn't it? Don't we reflect in our years and just be like, oh, I want to live my best life next year? Paul is saying, this is how you live your best life. It's not there anymore, but the verse. This is how you live your best life. But if we're not careful, we end up right where we started and we strive for it. We strive, I'm going to be more patient this year. I'm going to put on that new nature. So I went back to the text because I knew this is probably not where God wanted me to land. And I found three truths that helped me reframe, uh, reframe this for me. And the first one is, it's a process. Living into your new nature in a way that's reflected out is a process. I'm a really kinesthetic and visual learner. And so I'm going to lean pretty hard into this imagery of clothing. And if you hate that, John will be back next week. Um, so, but I'm doing this because I think it can help us um, experience this new nature and Im- uh, differently and impact the way we think about it. So a few years ago, I opened my closet And I noticed that I had a lot of clothes, but I didn't want to wear any of them because they were probably out of style. They were kind of falling apart after a few washes, and they didn't quite fit me right. And I decided that I was going to change my wardrobe. I was going to go from having a lot of clothes to having a much smaller amount of quality, well-made pieces, pieces that would last the test of time and that fit me really well. But I didn't do this just like in one swoop. I didn't like go take all my clothes to Goodwill and go to anthropology the same day. I wanted to, but I didn't. Uh, It was a process. As I found those pieces that fit me really nicely and would last, I would replace them. I would replace those old things with this new thing that fit. And so I tell you this because I want us to see and feel and experience that our new nature, living into our new nature, having actually reflected out is a process. Put on your new nature and be renewed. When we read this verse in English, uh, we might have some questions, like if I put on my new nature, can I take it off? What about, if I put it on, is it like completely on, like all the way on there, or do I have to like keep putting it on? And if I have my new nature, does that mean that I'm automatically renewed? And if I don't feel renewed, does that mean I don't have my new nature? But there are some nuances that we miss in English. And lucky for you guys, I just finished a grueling year and a half of Greek, so we're going there. (laughs) So, (laughs) in the Greek, 
So Greek verbs, the nuance, is in the Greek verb in this, in this text. So in English, our tenses, a past, present, future, there's probably more, but I didn't pay attention in school, uh, those are what tell us about our verbs. They're, they're usually telling us about the time when the verb happened, but in the Greek verb tense, it helps us understand more depth about the verb. So the verb to put on in Greek is in the aorist tense. And the aorist tense emphasizes the completeness of an action, the completeness of an action. So we don't, so this tells us a little bit something about our new nature in Jesus. We don't have to keep putting on this new nature. It's completely on. You become a follower of Jesus, new nature. We don't have to keep doing it. It's not partially on. In 2 Corinthians 2.15, it says, if anyone, I almost just fell over, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Put on your new nature and be renewed. So the word renewed, um, in English and in Greek, has a connotation of restoration, to be restored. If any of you have had an iPhone before, which based on the blue text, a lot of you do, if you've ever had an iPhone, you've probably had to restore it back to its original factory settings, right? When you restore an iPhone, you wipe all the weird glitches that it's picked up along the way, and it's restored back to its original factory settings, so it functions in the way that it was intended to function. This is what our new nature does in us. Our new nature is us being restored to our original, how we were made to be, how we were created to be. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and in contrast to the completeness, so okay, so you might be thinking, okay, so if new nature is complete, and renewal means being how I am, was created to be, what gives? Me, I'm not, I'm not always patient, I'm not always kind. You might be thinking the same thing, I don't know. So what gives? I hear you. There is a discrepancy between our completely being in our new nature and it being reflected. And it's written into the Greek grammar here. In the Greek, the verb tense used for be renewed is a tense that emphasizes not the completeness, sorry, but the continuous nature of our renewal. In contrast to the completeness of our new nature, the renewal is a process. I think this is where a lot of the tension in our life comes from, that stress, because we are yet, on one hand, completely a new creation, and on the other, we fail to fully reflect that, and I know I feel that kind of ugh inside of me, and, um, but I don't just say that to point out why we're stressed. I say that because that shift in perspective has really helped me uh, kind of grasp onto more hope and strength when I think about the process of being renewed and living into my new nature. First, at the beginning, I talked about striving and planning, and I tend to think of my identity uh, that I crave as 
out there, that other version of a person uh, far away. And so I'm striving and clawing and trying to get there. But this is saying that it's actually just right here. It's right here. It's not far away at all. It's already in me. And that was a total shift for me. And maybe it's a shift for you. Also, if it's a process, it's okay that there are still areas of my life that God is working on. It's still okay if you are a follower of Jesus that there are areas in your life that God is still working on. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we have a new nature. But allowing that new nature to transform us from the inside out, to have it reflecting in our actions and our thoughts is a process. Truth number two, a new nature in Christ impacts our relationships. As the process of renewal takes place in our lives and we start to reflect out our new nature, our relationships are radically impacted. Look back at verse 11. It's also on your programs. Look back at verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. These specific labels were powerful social forces back in the first century. These were powerful barriers that kept people isolated. And Paul is saying the manifestation of our new nature is our ability to be in community and relationship despite all, all the things against all odds. This is so countercultural. I just uh, came across a phrase that is new to me. Those of you on Twitter might already know it. I don't know. But it's called cancel culture. Has anybody ever heard of this? Yeah, anybody? No? Okay. Yeah? Okay. So cancel culture. Cancel culture speaks to a, uh, a part of our culture that when someone does something wrong or is offensive, we cancel, I tried to snap, I'm so cold, we cancel them, we cancel them. Uh, they lose their influence, they're isolated. Um, we do this in our lives too, it's not just culturally as a whole. If someone hurts you or offends you or says something that you don't like or agree with, we cancel them, they're gone, they're out of our lives, they're isolated or we isolate ourselves, right? Paul is saying that this is not who we are meant to be. In verse 13, he says, make allowances for each other's faults. And we see Jesus live this out with Matthew. Matthew was canceled by his community, his fellow Jews because Matthew was a tax collector, so he worked for the Romans, and he collected taxes from his own people, but he collected more than he actually needed to to pay himself. And so these people were like scum, not good, not good, um, in the Jewish community and culture. He would not have been invited to Passover, let's put it that way. So what does Jesus do here? Jesus goes over to his house and has dinner with him and his friends, and builds relationship with him. When we live into the nature, as a our new nature as a excuse me follower of Jesus, we are able to maintain relationships that we wouldn't otherwise maintain, and maybe relationships that our culture is telling no, just get rid of them. 
Our new nature can reflect love and forgiveness back to people. This is what we were created for. We were created to reflect God's love and goodness and who he is out to others. This is how we live our best life. I mean, think about the opposite. If you clothe yourself in like impatience and you've got like boots of aggressiveness and, and you know, uh, and you've got like a big old black trench coat of, I don't know, insecurity or shame or bitterness. Is that my earring? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's just stick it up on my ear. <laughs> Hold on, let me take it off. I think asymmetry is in now, right? Okay, cool. Okay, sorry about that, you guys. I just noticed, I'm like, what is that clicking? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, dressing yourself um, in abrasiveness. I would know nothing about that. Uh, so I've never once heard someone go, you know what? My most important relationships are really thriving in resentment. <laughs> or what's another one? I feel really great about the way that I huffed and puffed impatiently through that airport line. No. And let's flip it around. Never once have I been short or abrasive with Brian. That doesn't sound right. All of the times that I have been short and abrasive with Brian, he has never once said, I love you too. Thank you. That just really gave me the momentum, the wind beneath my wings for the rest of my day. No. Have you ever heard the phrase, that's just not a good look on you, or that's not a good look on her? These things, bitterness, resentment, uh, selfishness, these are not good looks on us. We were not made for this stuff. It's ill-fitting in contrast to the new nature, the new wardrobe that we can clothe ourselves in that is perfectly tailored to us. Now, Paul, unfortunately, is not saying that this is an idyllic community. He's not painting a picture of a community and relationships where everyone gets along and everyone agrees with one another. That's not what we're talking about here. In fact, community can push us and grow us, but it's so good when we can find a way to reflect God's goodness back to each other. It's self-perpetuating. When we um, are met with someone that maybe we don't like, you know, we're going to have people who are annoying or mean to us. If we can reflect our new nature back to them, if we can reflect who God is back to them, that might create space in their life. Feeling that love might create space in their life to explore their new identity further. And then they will be able to reflect it in a new way. And it's like this really awesome self-perpetuating thing. Imagine if our whole community was reflecting who God was. Living into our new nature is a process this process impacts our relationships, and it is ultimately possible because of Jesus. <laughs> Truth number three, it is possible because of Jesus. Sometimes I forget this, and I want to make it possible because I am awesome. So I strive and plan, and I make routines, and I have resolutions, and I want to do it myself. 
But turns out, I am really bad at dressing myself in my new wardrobe. And when I was reflecting on my own ability to be patient and kind uh, and loving, I had this image of myself, going back to the clothing thing, of being handed my new wardrobe and that reflects my new nature. And so I'm given the boots of gentleness and the coat of love and the belt of kindness and the pants of patience. And so I'm trying to put them on. So imagine, I'm trying to put them on. And I'm like struggling and I'm trying to put my pants on and put a coat on. And all of a sudden I realize I'm already wearing an outfit. I can't put it on top. I'm already wearing a lumpy shame sweater and boots with spikes on them. These are sparkles, but imagine spikes. <laughs> Friends, if we want to live into our new nature and experience all that God has for us in renewal, we have to let him deal with our old self. Ephesians 2.22, put off your old self, which belongs to the old way of living. If you want your new nature to be reflected, we have to let Jesus deal with our old selves. We can try to do it ourselves. We can want really bad to dress ourselves in these clothes. But in my experience, which has been a lot, I usually end up ashamed and discouraged when I fail. When we read this passage, most of us, something jumps out. There's one thing that jumps out to each one of us. It's different. Maybe it's the thing you have the most shame around. Maybe it's the one that you feel like is impossible. I can never be more patient with my kids. I've tried. I can never be more patient with my husband or my wife. Maybe it's the one that feels like hard-hearted, I don't want to forgive them. Never, no. I no, I don't want to. I shouldn't. They don't deserve it. For me, it's tenderness and it's gentleness. Half of you are like, "Oh good, she knows." Yes, I know. I know. I can be abrasive and cold when I'm feeling insecure. I don't have a great memory, but, and so I can't tell you like a specific example, but what I do remember is I remember the way I feel when I do that to you. This is where I started to cry when I did it for the OKids team, so I'm going to try not to cry. I felt ashamed. I felt frustrated that, again, I couldn't muster up enough of the stuff to just be nice, to be gentle, to not be cold. And I feel isolated because my response to the person in front of me has pushed them away. My journey with tenderness and gentleness has been a long one and it's continuing, as most of you know. For years, I have tried so hard to be this different person. And I felt trapped by the feeling that it was impossible for this place in my heart to change. And so a few years ago, I was going through a particularly isolating season. Some of you might be like, oh, that's what was going on. 
Yes, I was not going, I was not doing great. And I decided to look deeper at why. And so I went to counseling. Woo! And I started to be able to name some of these things, some of the feelings I was feeling. And I started to connect the dots to these feelings and my responses to the people around me. And I experienced some improvement, I really did. But it felt so easy to slide back into that place of abrasiveness and coldness. I felt like a porcupine. Like porcupines are really cute when they're just like walking around and chilling, but the second they feel insecure or threatened, you know, their little spikies come up and then they're really dangerous and they hurt people. Me. So I knew that God still had more work to do in my life. And through some different things, maybe conversations with friends, relationships, circumstances, and what I believe is the Holy Spirit working in my life, I decided that I needed to more intentionally put this in front of God. Now, I didn't do a bunch of different things. I didn't create new routines or, um, you know, tattoo the Bible verse on my arm, although I definitely thought about it. Um, No, I just changed my posture. I changed my posture. And I went from going like this, like, no, I do it. You know, like little, like preschoolers are like, no, I put on my own shoes. And you're like, okay, good luck. And... um, and then I kind of went to like, well, this isn't working. I'm, you know, I'm not, I can't do this on my own. It's not working. To like, help me, God, please, I need help. And so I invited God into it. And it was really just a posture change of like, please help me. Um, and kind of putting it in front of him as every time I thought about it. And I kept inviting God in. And I started to feel this thing welling up inside of me like this, and this is not like a metaphor, like I felt it in my physical body, and I wanted it to be released. So we went to a conference a few years ago, and I was feeling this thing really strongly, and I was in the hallway of the convention center, and I saw Julie, and I was like, Julie, I feel like I've got this and I was doing it. This was real. I was like, I've got this thing inside of me that God wants to release. I don't know what it is. I'm kind of afraid of it, but I'm so ready. What is this? So we prayed together, and I was like, God's going to do this thing. He's going to release it at this conference. I was like, God, I'm ready. I'm afraid. I'm terrified, but I'm ready. And I like, release this thing. This feels so weird. And the conference ended, and nothing happened. <laughs> And you guys, I felt so ashamed. I cannot tell you the feeling that I felt like. I just felt so ashamed. I was like, God doesn't want to work in my life. I'm like here, like so ready. And, uh, and God, I feel like God doesn't want to do it. That he's like, no, I'm going to do it in these people who are like really important because they're like leading the church. But you like, no, I'm not, no, Sorry. And so that next, and I just like, oh, it broke my heart. And so that next week, we're in our staff meeting circle, and we're t- and different staff members are sharing about how God met them at this conference. And I just shut down. And so I didn't say anything, per the huge. And our, we're about to uh, close, and my sweet friend Jono, 
You might, you might not even remember. My sweet friend Jono goes, Cozy, what about you? And I was so mad. I was like, how dare you? I have a grumpy face on. I do not want to talk. But God totally used Jono in that moment because I started to talk. And you guys, there is no other way I can describe it other than the Holy Spirit gave me a Heimlich maneuver, like a holy Heimlich. And I was, it was like, boom! And this lie came out of me. I might cry. This lie came out of me. And I, ta- and I confessed to my God, family, that I don't feel like I belong here anymore. I don't feel like, I don't feel like God wants to use me here anymore. I'm not good enough to be here. This one always gets me. My gifts and skills, my strategy, who I am, was great for starting O-Kids, but I am not the person that God has called to lead from here on. Someone better, a real leader, a real person of God, a real spiritual person. I'm no longer that person. That's how I felt, that lie. That lie inside of me had made me so insecure and abrasive because I was desperate to protect myself from the pain that that lie was creating inside of me. But the people around me were so gracious and so loving, and they prayed for me, and the work that God had been doing in them, their new nature, reflected so beautifully onto me. So through them, I experienced God's love for me. I experienced that I was chosen. I experienced that I was forgiven. I experienced that I was loved. And it changed something inside of me. Now, most of you know that just because this happened doesn't mean I'm like perfectly gentle anymore and I'm like this tender, warm, cuddly bear. But but what changed for me in that moment when I felt that from these people, when I felt loved by God, is I wasn't trapped anymore. Yeah. Some of you might be feeling trapped. Excuse me. Trapped in bitterness. Maybe someone at work got a promotion that you thought you deserved and you're bitter about it and you hate going to work. Maybe you're trapped in jealousy. Maybe you're jealous of someone else's house and you can't enjoy yours. Maybe you're trapped in selfishness. Maybe you want something and you believe you just can't be happy without it. That's a rabbit hole. Maybe it's resentment or the inability to forgive a parent, a friend, a roommate, a sibling, a child. Have you ever felt like it was impossible for God to change your heart? Me too. If you hear one thing today, if you take away one thing, I want you to hear that there is hope. There is hope. When we invite God into those impossible places of our hearts, he will do work. 
It might take five years. It might take your whole life, but he is going to do work, I promise. Counseling was a really important part of my journey, and God totally used that. But the greater freedom came when I experienced God's love for me through the people around me, when I experienced my new nature, when I experienced my new nature, loved, chosen, forgiven, that is when I was freed. That I could not have done myself, and neither can you. I felt that love through people. You might too. You might, but... Maybe for you, God might meet you in your impossible place through worship or through his word or through a podcast, maybe a sermon on these verses preached better than I did, maybe a hike. It's not about what you're doing. It's about your posture. It's about inviting God into the impossible, just even being willing to say that. God, I'm letting you into this place that feels impossible. Letting him love us so we can reflect that love the way we were created to. Living your best life is reflecting who you really are, is living into the nature that we are as followers of Jesus. Some of us in here might still feel unsure. I probably would have five years ago. Still feel unsure that God wants to do a work in your life. So I'm going to take a little bit of a risk. If you have ever felt like there was an impossible place in your heart and God did work in it and he has started to free you even just a little bit, will you raise your hand? See, it's possible. It is possible. This is what God is doing in and amongst you. It is possible because of Jesus who lives inside of us. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This is how we live our best lives in the next decade. Living into our new nature as chosen and loved and forgiven as a follower of Jesus, this is who we're created to be and it can be reflected out in our, our kindness, our gentleness, our ability to forgive one another. And so I'm gonna wrap up but I'm gonna encourage you, this year, if you've got an impossible place, go home. It's kind of a doing, but it's kind of not a doing. Go home, find a place to put this verse. Don't go overboard, don't like, you don't have to memorize it by next week or say it at the same time every day. Just put it somewhere that you see as a way of inviting God into that impossible place and see what he does. Maybe put it on your phone screen or in your bathroom, your desk. Put it there. See what he does. And that's it. Can I pray for us, please? Good God, you are so good. I am so in awe of who you are, that you come into these impossible places and you do work. 
Thank you that we do not have to be discouraged and alone and ashamed by the dark and twisty places in our hearts because you want to come in and make them new. You will give us a new nature, and that new nature can be reflected. You will, be, you will renew us by your spirit. I pray for the people in this room that you would give them hope this morning. I pray that this word would stick to them, that you by your spirit, would do work in our lives, that this next decade would be uh, marked by our ability to reflect you in new ways, not because we strive, not because we try to attain it, but God, because we open ourselves up to the work that you're going to do in our hearts and in our lives, that we know that it is a process and that it'll impact our relationships and that it's possible because of you. We love you. You are so, so good. Amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.